Well, once again, good morning, Zoe Church. So glad that you are with us. Hey, I'm just gonna dive right in this morning because I've got uh, three principles that I wanna bring you that are so transformative for your life. And so I guess we just gotta get going, all right? So if you guys are about to turn with me to Philippians chapter two, beginning of verse number five. Philippians chapter two, beginning of verse number five. Just a reminder, we're in our Bible reading plan, so make sure you're coming along with us. If, if you've missed out, if you've kind of fallen off a little bit, tomorrow we'll post what that is. Uh, but also, as we're about to read this passage, I've challenged you that we're going to memorize 2, 5 through 11 as a church. And we've challenged you so far to memorize verses 5 through 7. So as I read this passage here, I'd encourage you to try to see if you can quote those first few verses along with me as I read. All right? Beginning of verse 5 says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you want to speak to us. And so right now, we open our ears. We say, speak to our hearts and help us to live differently, we pray. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, you know when I speak around here, most of the time I end with our big so what, that one point, that thing I want you to kind of walk away with. But this morning, we're going to kind of flip it on its head and we're actually going to start with our big so what. Because as we look at these three principles we're going to talk about, we're going to see how this big so what relates to every one of these principles, all right? So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The big so what is this. The way of Christ isn't the way of the world. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Seriously, Greg? Duh. I got out of bed for this. Like, we know this, the way of Christ isn't the way of the world. We, we get that, but here's the problem. So often, we try to live out our Christian life and live as followers of Christ using the same means, the same thoughts, the same patterns that the world uses. Like, we know this, we say this. God's Zoe life is available for us. This Zoe, this eternal, abundant, overwhelming life is available for us. But it's gonna require us to live differently. It doesn't happen doing things like everybody else does. And so I wanna dive into three principles out of this passage that we're gonna look at. And there's so many, I could preach 10 sermons out of this passage. It's a powerful, powerful passage. Uh, but what I wanna be able to do is look at this together and, and look at these principles and see, okay, what does this mean for us right now? The first principle really comes out of the first half of this passage. And it says this, per, principle one is this. It's the relationship principle. The relationship principle. Now, honestly, we've talked about this a little bit uh, several weeks ago when we looked at this passage, but I want to dig into this just for a moment real quickly. Now, we get it. During this coronavirus season, relationships have been hard, right? <laughs> just be real. It's been hard for everybody. Marriages have been hard. Families, it's been hard at times. You might have had issues with people at work. You know, you're Zoom calling people. Like, you are Zoomed out, right? You are sick of being on a Zoom call, right? And it's hard. Relationships are hard right now. Even online, we, we talk about social media, just how toxic it is. Relationships are challenging. But relationships just are always a little challenging, right? They're never all that easy. And what, what Paul is doing is he's coming and he's saying, okay, when it comes to your relationship, here's the principle you need to have. It says this in verse number five. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. 
Now, what I love here is that he doesn't say, hey, here's a good idea. This is something you should just kind of think about, try every once in a while. No, he's saying, when it comes to your relationships, do this. You're going to call yourself a follower of Christ? You're going to call yourself a Christian? Do this. This is what you're supposed to do. What does he say? He says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, Jesus, the eternal Christ, right? Being in nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't leverage what he had for himself. No, what did he do? He said he emptied himself. He made himself nothing. He poured his life out. He leveraged what he had for others, right? He humbled himself and became a human and became obedient to death. It says even death on a cross. The eternal Father, the eternal God, lowering himself to the point of death. So what are we supposed to do with that? Like, how are we supposed to live? He's saying, listen, do the same thing. Whatever it is that, that Jesus did, you should do that thing. Now, the problem is that in our world, we say we're not supposed to do things the way of the world. Well, the way of the world is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what's good for me. I'm going to leverage whatever I have for myself. In my relationships, I'm going to see how it works out for me. But Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say, do things when it's easy. He didn't do things what's good for you. Make sure they're meeting your needs. Instead, he said, you should do the opposite, right? You should do the Jesus thing, which is to lay yourself down, to empty yourself, to pour yourself out for the sake of another. In fact, to use everything at your disposal for the sake of the other. That's how kingdom people live. That's the relationship principle. See, our world says, I'm going to like you and I'll love you as long as you agree with me. Paul says, do it the Jesus way. Even if they don't agree with you, even if they don't do what you want, lay yourself down. That's the relationship principle. See, the way of Christ isn't the way of the world. Nobody does it that way. Nobody lives that way. No, no they do what's good for them. No, no, no. But we're not like that. We're kingdom people. We live differently. Second thing, and this is looking at the second half of this passage. The second principle is this. It's the now, not yet principle. It's the now, not yet principle. Now, what is that? Now, there's things in life that there is an element of now, like you've attained something right now, but there's still something coming in the future. This not yet element. Take a lottery, for example. All of you have played the, well, hopefully none of you have played the lottery, but even if you have, it's okay, you know, whatever. Uh, but, but when you play the lottery, what happens, right? You pick some numbers, and then you sit, and they tell you the numbers. I want you to imagine for a second that, that you've got a lottery ticket, right? And this is for a multi-million dollar lottery. And they start reading the numbers, and you start seeing, like, oh my goodness, Oh my goodness, and they get to the last number and you realize you have all the numbers. And you're thinking, I'm going crazy, why? Because right now you know you are a millionaire. That ticket means that you have a lot of money, right? That's what it means. There is a now element. Right now, I am a millionaire. And at the same time, you recognize that there is a not yet. You haven't taken possession of all of that quite yet, right? There's a process that's going to have to happen. There's this not yet. This is the principle that we see throughout all of Scripture. There's so many elements of now and not yet. One of those we talk, talk about, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, right? You're a new creation, and we know that right now. That is who you are, who I am. We are a new creation. That is the now, but we understand that there's still a not yet because there's still brokenness in us. We know that there is a resurrection coming someday where the fullness of that newness will be experienced, right? The same idea of holiness. We say, if you're in Christ, you are holy. That is who you are. We also understand 
this idea that Paul said, where he said, you know, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I, I want to do, I don't do, right? There, there's this brokenness still in us. And we say, recognize, there's a holiness that's coming someday. There's a not yet element to that. This is also true in the gospel. You know, we talk about we're a gospel-centered people. And for a lot of people, when they think about the gospel, they think, well, okay, Jesus died on the cross, so I can get to go to heaven, right? And those elements are true, but there is such a bigger picture to what the gospel is. When Jesus came proclaiming the gospel, the good news, he said, listen, the kingdom of God is at hand. That's the good news. I am Lord and my kingdom is here now, right? And that's the now element that right now, even for us right now watching this, Jesus Christ is on the throne. His kingdom has come, right? He is in control. And at the same time, there is a not yet element. The fullness of his kingdom has not been revealed. So what is Paul doing? He's writing to this group of believers who are right now, they're experiencing persecution. It isn't easy to follow Christ all the time. And they're sitting there saying, well, Jesus is Lord. I know this is what we believe, but it's not always easy. And Paul is reminding them, yeah, there's a now that Jesus is Lord, but there is a not yet that is coming. And what does he say? He says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And there is going to be a day there is going to be a day when, when every knee is going to bow, right? Every knee in heaven, all of the fullness of heaven, all of humanity here on earth and under the earth, even those who have fallen away, the, those angels that have fallen away, they are going to bow their knees. And he's saying this to these believers who are under an emperor who is horrid towards Christians, trying to kill and make it difficult to follow Christ. And Paul is trying to say, listen, there's going to be a day when that emperor bows his knee before Jesus and proclaims that he is Lord of all. And for us, throughout all of history, those evil people who have turned away from Christ and have been destructive toward humanity, we can be confident that there will be a day that they bow their knees before our Jesus and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And even in our lives right now, there's people who have turned from Christ and we get frustrated and we get hurt. We're like, where is the justice? You can be confident that there is a day, there is a not yet day coming when every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Christ is going to return, the imminent return of Christ. He is going to come return in the fullness of his kingdom will be here. And when he comes, that should produce hope and confidence in our hearts that he is going to make things right, that justice will reign, that peace will reign, that all sorrow will end. So Paul's trying to tell these believers, listen, don't give up. I want to tell you this morning, don't give up. This now, not yet. There's a not yet that's coming. It should produce hope in your heart, right? So we go back to the big, so what? The way of Christ isn't the way of the world, right? How does the world look? The world's only thinking about right now, what's good for right now. And as believers, we can slip into the same mindset. But Paul would say to us, no, no, no. You gotta remember, there's a not yet day coming that you produce hope no matter your circumstance, no matter what you're going through. Don't live like the, the world does, no. Live differently. It's the now, not yet principle. Well, lastly, I wanna get to the third principle. I'm gonna linger here just for a bit more. And this is kind of taking the essence of this entire passage and revealing something that really Jesus taught over and over and over again. We're going to see that. And this third principle is this. It's the greatness principle. It's the greatness principle. Now, what is greatness? What is greatness? I think we all experience greatness at different times. One of my favorite things is, is being a dad. You know, when my kids were really young, I loved playing sports with them. Why? 
because they thought I was great. <laughs> they thought I'm amazing. They're like, Dad, you're the best ever. You know, I hit a baseball and they're like, you hit it so far, Dad. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's how I am. You know, you guys know I'm not very tall. There's not a chance I'm ever going to dunk on a 10 foot hoop. And so I lower that thing to eight foot and I'm doing the sweet dunks. I'm doing whatever. My kids are like, you're awesome, Dad. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty great. Right? But that's not what greatness is, right? Greatness in our world comes in different forms. Sometimes it means that you achieved a level of status, right? You've got followers, whether it's online platforms, whatever it is, and you've got all of these followers who are with you. For some people, greatness means that you worked your way to the top in whatever field that you're a part of. You know, you're the best at something, you know? Or for other people, it's maybe you've acquired a certain amount of wealth or a certain amount of influence, and, and that means you have experienced greatness in some way. But Jesus talked over and over about this idea of greatness. But whatever he talked about, he said, listen guys, Greatness looks nothing like what the world says. Like those ideas, that's not what greatness is. In fact, if you want to understand this greatness principle, I think, I think a better title for it might be the, the way of the cross. See, that's what greatness looks like. When you look at this entire passage, we see this, the eternal, uh, eternal son, right? The eternal son in heaven, the eternal Christ, Jesus, emptying himself, lowering himself down, right? Becoming a servant of all, leveraging everything that he had, for the sake of the other, right? And therefore, he's exalted to the highest place. See, the greatest in the kingdom of God is not the one who leverages everything for themselves. The greatest is the one who pours themselves out. Jesus modeled this for us over and over. He said this, that there's an upside down aspect to the kingdom of God. Things aren't the way you think they should be. Oftentimes, they are the complete opposite of what you would think. Think about the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is coming and explaining what the kingdom of God is like. And, and he says, blessed are these people. And he says, blessed are those who are poor, right? The poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And in their society, that sounds ridiculous. Like, that's not the blessed person. Those aren't the blessed, but those are who are blessed. And what Jesus is trying to set up in their minds is like, listen, my kingdom functions totally different than the world that you live in, right? Remember, the way of Christ isn't the way of the world. My kingdom's different. So what does it look like? I wanna, I wanna look at a few passages that Jesus shared around this. Matthew chapter 18, uh, the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him this question. They say, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You know what I love Jesus? He doesn't, he doesn't tell them, hey, 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 don't worry about trying to be great. Stop trying to do that. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't diminish that idea. He says, okay, you wanna be great in the kingdom of heaven. All right, this is a good thing. Being great in the right kingdom, that's a good thing. You don't wanna be great in the kingdom of the world. So Jesus, what does he do? He calls a child to him. He places the child among them. And he says this, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen to this. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, what is he saying? He's not saying, oh, you just gotta be, you know, just this little quiet child and then, then you get to go and be great in the kingdom. No, no, that's not what he's saying. In their society, kids were at the bottom of the totem pole, okay? You were at the bottom. Everybody else is more important than you. And what Jesus is saying, you want, you want to be great? Okay, go to the bottom. Go at the bottom. Serve everyone else. That's what greatness looks like in the kingdom of God. It goes on in Matthew chapter 23, and Jesus says this, the greatest among you will be your servant. You want to be great? Serve. For those who exalt themselves, what's going to happen? They're going to be humbled. But whoever humbles themselves, they're the ones 
that will be exalted. You see, that's what Jesus modeled for us in his life. He humbled himself, laid himself down, and he proved and showed to us what greatness in the kingdom of God looks like. There's just one more interaction I want to speak of. So many of these, but James and John come to Jesus. And these guys, you know, they're, they're coming to Jesus like, hey, when you come into your kingdom fully, right? When it's, we get to that not yet portion, I want to be on your right. He wants to be on your left. Can we, how, do, how do we work this out? Is there something we can do? Do we need to pay something? You know, whatever. They're trying, trying to make a big deal of this. And, and Jesus, you know, he doesn't say, hey, that's a horrible idea. Here's what he says. He calls all of his disciples together. He says, I'm going to use this as a teaching moment. He says this. Listen, you guys, you guys don't get it right now. You think that you want to be in control. You want to be up high so that way you can dominate everyone else because that's how the world thinks. Like, let's, let's have a position of influence. Let's have a, a position of greatness. It says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. They, they use their power, their influence for themselves, right? And their high officials exercise authority over them. He says, listen, not so with you. You want to be my followers? You, you want to live for me? Okay, you don't gonna, you're not going to do things like everybody else does. It says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. You got to serve. You want to be great? Serve. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. And then we get to one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture where Jesus says this, for even the Son of Man, even I, remember? Jesus, the eternal Christ, eternal Son of God. For even I did not come to be served, but to serve, to give my life as a ransom for many. See, that's what greatness looks like. You want to be great? Yeah. You want to give your life? Okay, cool. Serve. Lay yourself down. That's what greatness looks like. If we think about the big so what, this, this whole idea that the way of Christ isn't the way of the world, it's obvious the way of Christ doesn't, because in our world, it's all about getting to positions of power. We want to dominate. We want to be in control. That's what we want. That's what everybody in our world is fighting for. Yet that's not what it means to follow Christ. Living for him is completely different than that. I want to go to a, a passage of scripture and a story, because I think Jesus models this so clearly for us on Palm Sunday. I've talked about this before on Palm Sunday. As we talk about the, the story that takes place as, as he's been going around, Jesus has been proclaiming his kingdom, right? He's saying, listen, the kingdom of God is here. I'm here. I brought the kingdom of God here. And they hear that. And in their ears, what are they hearing? They're hearing, all right, he's going to come dominate. He's going to come take over. He's going to vanquish the Romans. He's going to take control because that's what you do when you're the king and it's your kingdom. That's what the world says, right? But the way of Christ isn't the way of the world. And so Jesus is riding into Jerusalem and the expectation is there. This, they're waving the palm branches. They are excited. Why? Because he is coming and he is going to wave the branches and, and, and he's going to come take over and he's going to do this thing. And then he comes in and he's riding the donkey. He doesn't vanquish any foes. He doesn't come to dominate. Now what does he do? He comes and he goes to a cross and he lays down his life. And in that moment, Jesus shows us, listen, my kingdom isn't like your kingdom. The way I do things is different. And the problem that we have is that very often we want to do everything like the world does. Even for us as believers, listen, 
I can hear believers sometimes say, we just got to get the right people into authority. We got to get the vote all the right people. If we can vote all the right people, then we can force everybody to do the things we want them to do. Listen, I'm all for voting. That's the privilege that we have as Americans. But listen, the mindset of Christians and of followers of Christ, kingdom people, are not how can we dominate, it's how can we serve. How can we lift up? Not how can we leverage our power because that's not how Jesus did things. He said, listen, my kingdom doesn't look like the kingdoms of the world. We're not interested in attaining power to leverage it for ourselves or to dominate others. It's to lay ourselves down, right? That's what it means. The only way we actually go up is by going down. Greatness comes through humility. And positions of power are actually meant to be positions of service. See, that's the way of Christ in our relationships, in the way we think about the future, in the way we pursue greatness. The way of Christ isn't the way of the world. All right, so what does this look like for us? I want to ask that question. What, what does this look like for us? How do we actually live out a passage like this? I think it begins uh, when we begin to leverage what we have for the sake of another. Now, what do I mean by that? Some of you actually took a step to do that uh, over this past week when we had a 30 for Freedom. There was a number of people that, that ran and they raised money and funds. And what they did was they leveraged their, their bodies, their strength, their time, financially leveraged it all for the sake of another. See, that's what kingdom people do. Some of you gave and supported runners. You gave of yourself. That's what kingdom people do. It's leveraging what we have to serve another. Some of you have done this through Zoe Cares. You know, over the past several months, you've, you've looked for opportunities to leverage your relationships, your connections, to leverage your resources, to leverage your skills, uh, to leverage your prayers, whatever it is for the sake of another. That's what kingdom people do. We're not looking to get away with it, not looking to sidestep it, not looking to walk past things. We're looking to engage in some way, right? For others of you, it's through giving extravagantly. Now, a lot of us, we give, we give our tithes, we give our offerings, things like that, but but for some of you, you feel compelled to give extravagantly. God has blessed you in deep ways. And you say, I, wanna, I don't want to just do what the world does. What does the world do? I'm going to use this money for myself. I'm going to have this great retirement. I'm going to do this. No. Kingdom people don't think that way. Kingdom people think, okay, how can I leverage what I've been given for the sake of the other? Right? How do I take what I've given and serve someone else? That's what kingdom people do. We do this through kingdom builders where we give above and beyond. We give extravagantly so that other people can come to know Christ. That's what kingdom people do. Maybe it would mean for some of you that, that you would talk to neighbors. Maybe it's people you know on Facebook or social media. It's uh, people you know down the block. And you know that there's a need there. And rather than sidestepping and just walking your own way, you're going to say, no, I want to leverage what I have. I can actually help this thing. I can be a part of the solution here. I think about the world that we're in right now. And one of the, the hot ideas and and things that has become prominent in our culture is issues of racial prejudice and justice and injustice. And I think it's very easy for some of us who maybe, maybe have never personally experienced that or we're just not even sure, like I'm not sure if that's even a thing or not. It's very easy for us to sidestep and to walk right past and not engage at all. You see, what, what's my call though? I'm not, I'm not gonna have a political conversation right here. I'm gonna have a kingdom conversation. What is our call as kingdom people? Here's my call, I'm gonna tell you for me. I, I live as probably a blessed life as possible. 
I am a white male who was born in America right now. One of the most prosperous times in all of the history of humanity, right? I was born of two parents who loved Jesus. My parents were both born of two parents who loved Jesus in the home, right? I have an amazing wife. I have amazing kids, right? I have been as blessed as possible. It's amazing. And, and sometimes we can feel bad. Well, I feel bad because I've experienced I don't feel bad at all. I feel blessed. Thank you, God, that what I have been able to experience. But here's the question as a kingdom person. Am I going to leverage everything that I have for my benefit? Because if I do, that's the way of the world. See, kingdom people don't do that. Kingdom people say this. I want to leverage everything, every blessing that I've had, every opportunity I have. I want to I leverage it for the sake of another. I want to serve another. Maybe someone who has experienced racial prejudice. Maybe a situation where there is injustice. Rather than looking and blindly turning away from it as that's the way of the world. No, kingdom people don't do that. Kingdom people say, how can I leverage what I have been given for the sake of another? That's our call. That is our mandate. We don't get a choice on this. It's not like, hey, here's a nice idea. Try it every once in a while. No, if we're kingdom people, this is what we do. The way of Christ isn't the way of the world. The question I want to ask you is, who are you taking your cue from? Where are you taking your cue from? For how you should live your life or how you should respond to circumstances, are you taking your cue from the movies? Are you taking your cue from music, from what you read on social media? Are you taking your cue from the news, watching CNN or watching Fox News? Is that where you're taking your cues as to what's acceptable behavior? Or are you seeking what Christ would ask of you? What Christ demands of those who call themselves followers of Christ? Right? See, we're called, we don't get this choice. We, we are called to lay ourselves down. Remember, Jesus said this. There's a wide road. There's a really wide road. And many people are going to take that road. You know what it leads to? Destruction. But then there's a really narrow road. See, it's different than the other road. Everybody goes this way, but there's this narrow road. And not a lot of people find it. See, that's where the blessing is. That's what kingdom people do. And I want to challenge us. If we are going to say we're followers of Christ, would we be those kind of people that heed the call of Christ to say we are going to lay ourselves down for the sake of the other? We are going to be kingdom people in every way possible. I want to pray for those of you who are followers of Christ. I want to challenge you. And I'm going to pray that God would speak to your heart in areas in your life where maybe you are following the crowd and you're going in a direction that maybe he hasn't called you. But I also want to pray for those who, who've never responded to Christ. You've never given your life to Christ. And you need to hear this. There is a day. There is a not yet day coming. Jesus is Lord and he is going to return. There is a day he's coming back. And trust me, your knee is going to bow. The question is, are you going to bow it now or are you going to have to bow it later? And I want to challenge you. Bowing your knee to him is the greatest decision you will ever make. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much that you modeled for us. You haven't asked us to do something that you weren't willing to do yourself. You showed us what greatness looks like through your son, Christ. We thank you for that. And uh, God, we ask right now that you would help us to respond to your love and your goodness by operating the same way. God, may we live as kingdom people, laying our lives down for the sake of others. Help us to live that way. God, I pray that you'd speak to us in our own lives where we're listening to the wrong voices. Help us to listen to your voice first and foremost. 
And for those who never responded to Christ, God, I pray right now that you would remind them that you are in control, that you are the powerful king of all, that you died and rose again for their salvation. And God, I pray that they would be responsive to you, not just making you their savior, but making you their Lord. God, I pray that you would help them to surrender to you in every way. We ask that, pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, if you made a decision to, to pursue Jesus, to follow after Jesus, I'd love the opportunity to connect with you. If you would do me a favor, just send a quick email to faith at zchurch.org, faith at zchurch.org. I would love to connect with you that way. Uh, but for the rest of us, we are going to continue on a journey. We're doing some memorization. We want this passage to dig its way deep into our hearts. And so the challenge this next week is that we would add verse 8. Now that we would memorize Philippians 2 verses 5 all the way through verse 8. Let's work at that. And next week we'll try quoting that together.